Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we talk about how you and your organization can take your next step in your leadership journey. Let's get to it. Welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast, where we really do believe your church can grow, your church should grow, and your personal growth as a leader really does make a difference. I'm here with my co-host, Logan. Logan, how's it going? It's going good, Perry. You, Logan, recently planned a Europe trip. Planning. I'm currently planning where's some Europe the place, where, But where's the place you're most excited about going? Paris, France. Oh, that changed. I, yes. Well, Austria I'm excited about, but Paris, I think... God's telling me I can live there one day. So oh, I'm apartment really? hunting. Okay. That kind of scares this me. This is not my two weeks notice. We don't have an office. Well, you <laughs> hadn't technically requested vacation yet. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> that is true. Um, that's that's awesome. That's but before awesome. I go, at least we can pump out a few more podcasts. That's, that's right. Okay. That's right. So today we're going to talk about something that's really important in leadership. And it's personal to you, Perry. But that is why do leaders crash? Yeah, it's it's really the stag the stats are staggering. Like three thousand leader church leaders per month are um, getting fired or dropping out of ministry. We see not just in the r- religious world, but political world, business world. Um, but I, the thing I know the most about and can talk about that is is the church world and leaders crashing in church world. Why do you think so many leaders crash? Well, I mean, there's, God, you could go um, for days on this, but I, I think three main reasons. Um, number one is weight, and when I when I when I'm talking about weight, I'm not trying to sell my weight loss book. I'm talking about like spiritual weight uh, because church leaders carry um, way more weight than a lot of people could ever imagine. Think about this for a second, Logan. Nobody calls a church leader when their life is going awesome. Nobody ever calls a church leader and says, hey, listen, I just want to let you know my marriage is awesome. My children are awesome. I'm going to tithe 20%. Um, Because if they did, then we're going to get them tested for drugs because we know they've got a problem. So nobody calls us when life's going awesome. In fact, um, a lot of times as a church leader, you can't even go to the grocery store or to Waffle House. I've had people sit down in my booth at Waffle House and my daughter's next to me and they start confessing sin. Like <laughs> At that point, you're like, I'm just on a date with my daughter. Yeah, I just, just want to like, eat my waffle and go. Yeah, you're like, hey man, hey, man, how you doing? They're like, Pastor, I've been smoking crack and looking at naked people. And you're like, oh, dear God. <laughs> she's 10. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my daughter is 10. At the 10. time, she's seven. <laughs> she's looking at me. I'm like, no, no, baby. No, all people aren't like this. But it, that that adds weight. It's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. If you were to walk a mile with a 10-pound weight, like I could do that. Like I could walk one mile with a, carrying a 10-pound weight. And every half a mile, you add five pounds. Over time, you're going to crumble under that pressure, and there, there's, there's really no way around it. So weight. I'm on board with the weight. I agree with you. What do you mm-hmm. think the second reason is? The The second reason is connected to the first reason, and it's worry. Because worry worry adds weight. What are some things that church leaders worry about, oh, though? Oh, God. This is, once again, we could go for days. There's um, perception. Uh, for example, how they look, 
where they live, where they drive. Nobody cares about what you drive until you become a church leader. And then all of a sudden, they care about what you drive. They care about what... Um, I actually got an email one time about the jeans that I was wearing. Are and you it's kidding? Like, no, no, I'm not kidding. It's like, hey, those are $150 jeans. Wow. And I'm like... And so I emailed him back. I did. And I said, well, you know, if I had on a $250 suit, you wouldn't have said a thing. But yes, those were $150 jeans. And they've lasted me for five years. Thank you very mm-hmm. much. Um, so there's perception. Um, there's provision. Uh, a lot of church leaders are bivocational. And they really do wrestle with being able to provide for their family. Um, we worry about our ability, um, whether or not we really can do this. There's not a church leader that I know that hasn't gone through a season of self-doubt. Um, we, we, we worry about comparison. When we hear that there's a new pastor coming to town or a new church getting started, it worries us. And then one of the biggest things that has always plagued me, um, whether it's right or wrong, you worry about it, is Sunday's coming. And you're only as good as your last message. That's, that's the way a lot of leaders feel, that you're only as good as your last message. And that really can lead to a crash. Because I, th- I, think, I think this is what I think. Insecurity among church leaders is way more intense than it is in the business world because with church leaders, there really is a spiritual element to it. Ephesians 6.12 said our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Yes, but didn't Jesus specifically say not to worry? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, he did. But as church leaders, we're awesome when it comes to quoting verses, and we really do believe them for other people. We just have a hard time believing those verses for ourselves. I have no problem believing God's promises for you. I have a really difficult time believing God's promises for me. That's true. That's true of anyone that reads the word at all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) What do you think the third reason is? Third reason, um, and these are all kind of related, is they're weary. You know, back, back to like walking a mile and adding, you know, 10 pounds every half mile, eventually that wears you down. I mean, we're weary from um, taking shots. I mean, some church leaders, I'll, t- I'll remove myself from this equation. Um, the shots that a lot of church leaders take on social media, and this isn't just mega church pastors. I've talked to p- pastors with 50 to 75 people in their church, 100 people and 200, and some of the things, in fact, in a lot of cases, some of the cr- criticism that they take is way more hurtful and way more painful because as a megachurch pastor, you know, I had 30, 35,000 people come into the church. A lot of those people I didn't know. But when you pastor a church of 100 or 200 people, some of that criticism, you know those people. And that really, really, really does make you weary. It, it reminds me of the story in Exodus 17 where Joshua was fighting the Amalekites and Moses kind of goes up on the hill. And the Bible says when he's holding out his hands, that the Israelites were winning. But when his hands fell, the Israelites would start losing. And there were two people, Aaron and Hur, that put a stone. Moses sat down, and they held up his hands. Um, but if, if they would have just sat there and said, hey, Mo- Moses, do more, try harder, you're not doing good enough, a lot of people die an unnecessary death. And so I think that's the reason a lot of le- leaders crash is because they're weary, and they don't have an Aaron or a Hur to hold up their arms. So if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying that leaders crashing is not just a recent problem. It's a human problem. Yeah. One of the, one of the reasons we've heard um, 
is that you know we're hearing about more church leaders crashing and it's getting worse and it's getting worse and it's getting worse. Logan, I don't think it's getting worse. I just think we live in the day of 24-hour news networks, um, social media. We're just more aware. It's not that it's, I mean, it's always been there. We're just more aware. Hey, that kind of rhymed. Um, like, for example, Noah. Noah was a leader who crashed. I mean, can you imagine the pressure on him? Hey, man, uh, God comes to him and says, hey, man, I'm going to kill everybody, but you and your family are going to survive. So you're trapped on a boat with your family for God knows how many days. Like, and stinky animals. Yeah, and, you know, what? who cleans up all that poop? You know, it's mm-hmm. Noah. And so it's, it's just bad. Then he gets off the boat. Did he have stress? Yes. Did he have pressure? Yes. He, the Bible says he plants a vineyard, um, gets drunk on the wine, and gets naked. I'm like, my God, he gets to be a Bible hero. I got drunk and kept my clothes on and got fired. So I, I just think, I just think, don't edit that out. I just, it's, it's pressure. Our King David, when he's running from Saul, you know, all that pressure builds up, it builds up, it builds up. He finally gets in a palace, and things get easy, and that's when he commits adultery, and murder, and yet he's he's called a man after God's own heart. Can and and then and then Elijah, imagine the pressure on Elijah. God tells him it's not going to rain in Israel, um, except at your word. So for three years he's hunted as a fugitive. He finally faces down the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. Um, he wins the battle, but at the end, at, toward the beginning of First uh, Kings nineteen, we see him sitting under a broom tree asking God to take his life. I mean, that, these are leaders that experienced a significant crash. So I'm not hearing very much optimism in your voice with this so far. What's the answer? Yeah. I mean, leaders, as long as they, you know, they lead as long as they can. But then if you're saying they're just inevitably going to burn out and crash, that doesn't sound very Perry Noble-esque to me. No, I mean, if we ended the podcast here, then everybody could like um, shut their phone down and go slit their wrist. That's that. I mean, it really is depressing, but... I really do think it can be avoided. And I want to share some simple steps. They're not easy, um, but they're simple. And this really began um, with me kind of looking at my own personal crash, looking at some scriptural crashes, and coming up with a plan to make sure that doesn't happen again. All right. What is step number one? Step number one is do not isolate yourself because isolation always leads to destruction. Um, I was reading the other day, Psalm 55 and Psalm 55 was written by King David when his son Absalom is trying to kill him. So that that's a little pressure right there when your son's trying to kill you. And then one of his best friends, one of David's best friends, Ahithophel turned on David and went to Absalom's side. And so David is feeling betrayed. His son's trying to kill him. One of his best friends is trying to kill him. And this is what he writes. Listen, listen to his language here. He says in Psalm 55, verse 4, My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I want to pause right there. A lot of leaders feel that way, overwhelmed. Hey, that's a book title. Somebody should write that. Um, But in verse 6, watch what he says. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. Right there, David's saying, I just want to get away. I just want to get away from everyone. 
I don't want to get away from everything. He, he, that was clearly his thing. Or I'll go back. I was talking about Elijah a while ago. And 1 Kings 19, um, the Bible talks about when he's running, um, he, he, in, in verse 3, 1 Kings 19.3, the Bible says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. What did he do? He isolated himself. And when he isolated, that's when he tells God, I've had enough God, you just need to kill me. And it, 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 when we are the most vulnerable is when we're alone. In contrast, in contrast, I was reading through Matthew 26 the other day, and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus Christ himself did not isolate himself in a season of extreme pressure. Matthew 26, 36 um, the Bible says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Now, verse 37, listen to this. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. So he, out of the 12 guys he had, which Judas was gone at this point, so he had 11, he took three with him. So he had an inner circle, and he began to be sorrowful and trouble. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus set an incredible leadership example here because he did not isolate. He opened up and told them exactly how he was feeling. But if this is the case, then why do you think so many leaders isolate themselves? Well, it, from personal experience and from Scripture, I think um, there's a few reasons. Fear is major because we feel like if we confess that we're going through something, that other people are going to look at us weird or that we could we could kind of get kicked out or excluded. And also, one of the things that church leaders, one of the lies that we believe, and I say we believe because I've bought into this lie so many times, is I'm the only person in the world struggling with this and no one would understand. And I just want to say to the church leader out there that, that if you're telling yourself that, that's not true. There are other people, um, different circumstances, Yes, but same struggle, same struggle. Um, and, then, and then the other reason we won't talk about is we, it really does pain us to admit that we're just, we're just not enough. So what's the answer for a pastor who's listening who already feels isolated and already feels like he's alone? Well, I hate this answer, um, but honestly, I, I don't know. Um, pastors, church leaders need a safe place, and they need safe people where they don't get shot for admitting their problems. And so you got to have a place and a person to talk to, and it takes time. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a counselor. Maybe it's another pastor. Um, I knew one guy that had an attorney. No, 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 no joke. Uh, you got attorney-client privilege, right? And so he would call attorney once a week and talk to him for an hour um, because he was like, I just need to talk to somebody that can't tell anybody else or they could get sued. Like wow. legitimately, by the way, that wasn't me. Um, but I literally knew a guy that, that did that for a season. Okay. So do not isolate yourself is the first step to avoid the leadership burnout. What is the second step? The second step is don't allow bitterness to sink in because here's the deal going back to Jesus for just a second. Jesus experienced the ultimate betrayal by someone close. I mean, Judas was the treasurer. I mean, you, you put the guy you trust in, in charge of the money. 
Um, yet when Jesus is in the garden, he doesn't mention Judas at all. He was fully God, but fully man, and it had to hurt, but it didn't stop him from moving forward because here's the bottom line. Bitterness is a barrier that blocks us from making progress. Okay, and I hear you, and I do understand the vision behind that concept, but what would you say to the church leader who feels as if they have been betrayed? I mean, bitterness goes hand in hand after you've been betrayed. Right, right. Great question. And it's so relevant that um, nearly every church leader I know has had to wrestle with this. And from the scriptures and from personal experience, I can say if we choose to focus on the hurt, then we cannot step into the process of healing. And healing is a process. It's, it's kind of like a broken leg. If you break your leg, you can't pray about it, and it's better the next day. Um, it, it takes process for that leg to heal, and it takes process for the wounds um, to heal. And, and this goes back to isolation. When, when we isolate ourselves, we tend to focus on how hurt and how lonely we are, which drives us deeper in despair, and it really does limit our leadership um, because it causes us to never really want to trust people again. And we've got to trust people if we're ever going to reach our maximum potential. Okay, so we've got steps one and two down. What do you say the third step is? Um, the third step is we've got to get honest with God. I mean, really honest. But wouldn't you think that most church leaders are already honest with God? No, I think most church leaders are honest about God, but not with God. And there's a big difference. Church leaders, so many times we feel the pressure to have it all together. And that pressure often finds its way into our personal spirit, spiritual development. But, but I believe that God honors honesty over piety. Um, for example, John the Baptist in Matthew chapter 11 is in prison. And in John chapter 1, John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, Look, the Lamb of God. In other words, I clearly believe he's the Messiah. But in Matthew 11, he's in prison, and he sends his disciples to ask, Are you the one to come? Or, I mean, are we, or should we expect somebody else? And he's asking that because of his personal circumstances. And Jesus answers him, but then Jesus says, Hey, John the Baptist is the greatest man that's ever been born. I mean, that's what he says, but he doesn't say it. After John says, look, the Lamb of God, he says it after John is so honest and so real. He goes, are you the one that's supposed to come or we expect somebody else? So I thought, I thought that was huge when I first saw that. Or in Matthew 26, 39, Jesus, Jesus shows us honesty where, he, where the Bible says, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And that's the thing. A lot of people go, oh, well, Jesus went to the cross and he was happy to do it. I'm like, no, 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 right? He prayed that three times. God, is there any other way? Is there any other way? He just modeled honesty and transparency. And I think if, if we as leaders are afraid to be honest, then how in the world can we lead our people into having an authentic, transparent relationship with Jesus? So after all of this, how does a leader learn to trust again? I, I don't, once again, I don't know. But I can tell you I'm learning. Um, and I believe, number one, is we got to ask for wisdom. And Bible says in James 1.5, we should ask God for wisdom. And it's like, okay, God, I don't know how to do this. 
show me how to do this. Um, the second is look for a living room, not a classroom, um, because I don't think we can sit in a classroom environment and, and be given seven steps to trust again, and we just got it. I believe it's got to happen through community that's built over time. And number three, and I'll just go back to this because we talked about it a while ago, you got to find somebody that you can really trust. I call them your 2 a.m. friends. You can call them at 2 a.m., and they're going to pick up and, and not cuss you out but listen listen to you. Well, that's it for this episode, unless there's anything else you want to add. Now, I just want to tell the leader out there that feels like they're getting close to burnout, please talk to somebody about it because uh, it's not – inevitable that every leader has to crash. I know so many leaders um, in church world that have ran a good race and who are gonna finish well. So summer's coming. Hopefully you'll get a chance to take a, a week or two of vacation, kick back and relax. And if we can help you in any way or serve you in any way, Go to IWantMyChurchToGrow.com. Check out our resources. We've got a lot of free resources on there. So you can go and check out our resources. And we hope you have an incredible week. And we'll talk to you next week about whether or not the church is in trouble. Thank you for listening to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We hope you had a blast spending time with us. For more thoughts on leadership, visit Perry's blog at PerryNoble.com. Whoa, 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 whoa.